Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. And it's a blessing when you get around people that are excited about, about being saved. You know, we don't have anything being the mullet groves about. We're, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're seated in the heavenlies. It's just as, it's just as if we're already there. And uh, we ought to just enjoy it while we're here. And um, I sure appreciate the opportunity, uh, Brother Gray, for this. And um, I don't take it lightly. Now, this, this is not a normal sermon for me. It may seem without form and void, but I, I assure you that it's, it's not because I haven't prayed, it's not because I haven't studied, and it's not because I haven't meditated on the message. But uh, we're going to be in John chapter 6. <clears throat> John chapter 6. And I don't know of a, of, of a truth that has uh, been more formative in, in, my, uh, in my ideology, in my thinking, and in the and just just the way that God has shaped the way I view things than this truth, and uh, I I hope I can convey it and make it clear. John chapter six, we're looking for, for uh, verse sixty eight. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's, let's pray again. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, God, for this opportunity. Uh, we thank you, God, for, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for giving us a purpose in life. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us in the dark. God, that you've, you've given us uh, your mind on the matters. And I pray, Lord, this morning, God, that you would help me to be a blessing to your people. I pray, Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth would have your breath on it. And, God, that you would be pleased and the saints would be edified. Lord, we sure love you. And uh, thank you, God, once again. We ask you in Jesus' name. Now, I want to I dwell on this phrase here that, that Peter makes this great statement. He, he doesn't just say that we believe. He says, we believe and are sure. Now, I'm not going to try to... I'm not going to try to uh, make a straw man argument here about belief and, and surety being different. They are different. They're connected. But I, but I want to dwell on the fact. And so, so I, I, I don't think anybody here would claim to not believe the Bible, right? I don't think you students would come to a Bible college. That would be foolish if you didn't believe the Bible. But I want to talk to you about the danger of not being sure. In 2 Corinthians 13, Paul Paul tells uh, the church there in Corinth, the saints there, he says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove yourselves. Now, who, now who is he talking to? He, he's talking to saved people. When you go back to the, to the book of 1 Corinthians and, and you see how he introduces the book there, he talks about people that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He talks about people that uh, Jesus Christ is going to confirm you to the end. He talks about the testimony of Christ being confirmed in you. And so uh, the, these are saved people that he's talking to here. Now, let me ask you a question. This is going to be a question full of sermons. I want you to think about this. Is God trustworthy? <clears throat> now, now, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to take off the Bible school facade. I want you to take off all the, 
that I've got to say the right answers because I'm in this setting. I want you, I want you to look inside of your own heart and I want you to uh, examine your own heart and I want, I want you, to, I want you to, to, to see if you're sure about this. Now, now lest I be misunderstood, I hate giving qualifiers, but, but, I, but I believe I need to do this. Now, my, my intention in this sermon is not to undermine your faith, but to help it. And number two, uh, when I say sure, I'm not saying that you know everything in the Bible, okay? If that was the case, I wouldn't be up here preaching this, right? I'd go sit down. And so <clears throat> keep those in mind. But how far are you willing to go with that saying? You, you saying that God's trustworthy. Now, now it took men like uh, William Tyndale to the stake. It cost men like Hugh Latimer his, his life. It, it cost men like John Huss his life. There's Christians <clears throat> that are going to meet this week in North Korea. They're going to go underground. They're going to meet. And not only are they going to put their lives in danger, <clears throat> you know what happens when they come get them and they arrest them and or worse? They don't just go after them. They go after their families. And so how far are you willing to go with that statement? Is God trustworthy? <clears throat> now, we know the Bible tells us in the book of Titus that God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to do that. We know that, that from Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar, okay? So God's always true. God's always right. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what schemes man tries to devise. God is right. <clears throat> so next question, is it wise to question what you believe? Now let me give you an, a personal illustration here. I was telling Brother Robinson a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, back home, where I, uh, when I still had uh, my day job and I, and I went to work, there was a man there. He was a seven-day Adventist, and seven-day Adventists love Bible studies, <clears throat> okay? So I went over there and struck up a conversation, and they love Baptists because a, a lot of Baptists don't know their Bible. And so a lot of these seven-day Adventists, they, they get the Baptists because they don't know their Bible. And so we, he, he immediately, the first thing he did, he gave me a video, and then he said, hey, why don't, why don't you start meeting? Why don't we have some Bible studies? I, okay. And so we, we get over there, and I, listen, <clears throat> I, I had not been introduced to Seventh-day Adventism. I mean, I, I understood that they went to church on Saturday, knew all that stuff. And so we began in this Bible study. It, it went on for about a year and a half, two years, and there was one day I left really, really frustrated from that Bible study. And uh, so I, I, I'm talking with the Lord, and I, I, I'm just trying to understand why I'm so upset. And it, it occurred to me, what I was doing is I, I was going to Scripture, and I was taking Scripture, and I was resting that to try to, to, try to make a point and to prove him wrong. Now, now, I wasn't trying to teach him heresy, but <clears throat> I, I told the Lord right then, I said, Lord, I... I'm, I'm somewhat confident that I, that I have the truth on this matter, but Lord, I'm not real sure. I said, Lord, I want to know the truth. And so, so what I did is I went home. I didn't consult anybody. I consulted the Lord. I got my Bible and got a Strong's Concordance out, and I looked up every time the word Sabbath was in the Bible, every time the word Sabbath was in the Bible, and, and every time the word rest was in the Bible. And you know what the Lord did? He showed me that the Sabbath was given to the children of Israel as a sign that God had brought them out of Egypt. He didn't give it to the church. You read over in the book of Ezekiel, many times he said it's a sign between me and the house of Israel. And so from beforehand, I wasn't sure of that, but afterhand I was. And so I, I went back to Francisco. I said, look, you, you, you want to go to church on Saturday? Help yourself. But don't tell me that I'm wrong from the Bible. 
And so, hey, you know, I, I, I presented that to him uh, twice. And after that, we cut the Bible studies off because I believe the Bible. Heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. And so had I not questioned that in my own heart, I wasn't questioning the Bible. I was questioning what I believed. Uh, and that, that drove me back to the scriptures, which God revealed to me and made me assured of a truth. And so it is, it's healthy to question what you believe. And, that, and when Paul says there, when he says examine yourselves, that, that is what that word means. When, when you study the etymology of the word, that word examination means to question. It means to scrutinize. And so if you're not assured of something, when you do get assurance of that, at that point, you're not going to have to question that. Uh, simple illustration here. Uh, what, what's two plus two? What does that equal? That's four, okay. Now you've got some of these jokers out here that say two plus two equals five, and they'll, they'll go through this thing, and they'll put a proof up there to explain how that, how that equals five. And, you know, uh, that, go help yourself. If, if, you, if you want to balance your checkbook that way, go ahead. It's, it's not going to end up right with you. And so, listen, I don't know when it occurred to me in my life, but I know that two plus two equals four, and I don't have to question that, okay? That, that, that's it. That's the final say. Now, let, let's get a little closer to the Bible. Let me, get, let me get you to think about something. Does God know everything? Now, be careful how you question that, how, how you answer that question. In Jonah chapter 3, uh, well, so, so, so Jonah, God comes to Jonah in and, and Jonah chapter 1. He says, hey, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. Made it very, made it very clear what he was supposed to do. And so Jonah takes his own route. Uh, and of course, he, he keeps going down. He goes down, in, he goes down to Tarshish. He goes down into the ship. He goes down into the sea. And it's just a downward spiral for Jonah. But then the, the whale swallows Jonah, and God comes and speaks to the whale, and the whale has more spiritual fortitude than Jonah did, okay, than God's man. And so the whale spits him out, and God comes back to Jonah the second time, and he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and preach the bidding, uh, uh, pre preach what I, what I tell you to preach. And so Jonah listens this time, and he goes into Nineveh, and what does he start preaching? He says, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown unless you repent. Is that what he said? No. He, he goes in and he says, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the end of the message. Okay? And so, <clears throat> look, then, then after that, uh, the Bible says, about the people of Nineveh, and, and it says, and they believed God. Okay, now look, when, you're, when your pastor, when your preacher gets up here, Brother Gray gets up here and preaches something you don't agree with, you're not rejecting him, you're rejecting God. Okay? And so we, we know that men are not gods. Jonah wasn't God, but, but he goes in there and he preaches the message that God gives him, and the Bible says the people believed God. Okay, so, so Jonah preached what he was supposed to preach, and what happens? The, the Ninevites get right, they repent, and then God repents. God changes his mind. And so from the standpoint of the Ninevites, what did God tell them? He says, he says I'm going to overthrow this place, and I'm not giving you a chance for repentance. He, he didn't leave that open. And so what I'm saying is, is that I think God maybe set aside his foreknowledge. And um, we, we talk about that. I, I, th I think the better thing is to say that God knows everything that he wants to know. And what's happened is the, 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 the Calvinists have brought this in and say, well, God knows everything. And they use that to, to formulate their doctrines. 
And so I know 1 John 3, 20 is in the Bible. If our heart condemn us, uh, God is greater than our heart, and he knoweth all things. But if you take that too far, you'll have him knowing sin. And the, God doesn't know sin. He, he's, never, he's never committed sin. And so um, in Hebrews chapter 8, the Bible, when it's talking about the new covenant there, he, he's talking about the covenant that he's going to make with the, with the house of Israel, and he says, their sins I will remember no more. So is there... Y'all ever had this problem? You ever had something in your head and you just wanted to forget that and you couldn't get it out, right? There's things that'll pop in your head that, that happened 10 years ago that you don't want to remember that you can't get it out of there. Now, God's big enough. If he wants to forget something, he'll wipe it clean. And so that's just something for you to think about. And so what's, what's your standard that you test truth against? I'm, I'm going to give you two, uh, two that are, that are prevalent in churches. Um, the first one is culture. The second one is the word of God. Now, that's culture, good or, good, good or bad. And so culture dictates what a lot of Christians do, right? It dictates uh, the music that they listen to. A lot of Christians listen to country music, and they think just because this country music singer sings a gospel song, it's okay, and I can listen to all this other stuff. Well, you didn't get that from the Bible. Uh, the, the culture dictates what a lot of people wear, right? Their outfits. And the culture dictates a lot of people's priorities. And the perfect illustration of this, th this past year, Christmas was on uh, Sunday, right? And so there were a lot of Christians, a lot of saved people that chose to stay home because a cultural holiday fell on a Sunday. And so they, they decided to, to, to go with the culture instead of what the Bible says. And so if the Bible is your rule, it's going to be the exception. I want to illustrate this with you uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So... Our society, our culture has the way that they, they think, and God has the way that he thinks. And I think this is the perfect illustration. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, every one of you know what, where I'm going to illustrate this, right? Because you know how the culture is. The culture has absolutely no problem with Jesus Christ having a head, the culture has absolutely no problem with the man having a head. But when you talk about the woman having a head, you just went too far, okay? And so my, my wife struggled with this for, for some time. And so we, we, we'd talk about it, we, and we, we'd go back to the Bible. And I, and I told her, I, we, we went to 1 Timothy 5.14, and I, I said, look, the, the Bible says that the younger women are supposed to marry, all right? You're supposed to be a wife. The Bible says that the younger women are supposed to marry and bear children. You're supposed to be a mother. And you're supposed to guide the home. And I told her, I was like, it's really hard for you to guide the home when you're not there. And so the culture says that you're, you're bringing a woman down. And, but, that's, but that's not what God says, okay? Uh, God has elevated women. He's given them a position. Men and women are not the same or different. And that's okay. That doesn't make one better than the other. But the lofty position for the woman is, is, is where God put her, okay? But that's not the way the culture thinks, right? You go read that in any uh, public place that, that doesn't claim for the Bible to be their final authority, and they're going to throw you out of there. So Ellie Maxwell said in his, in his book, Born Crucified, he said, he who picks and chooses refuses. 
And so Jesus Christ, I don't know, I don't know if you remember, Matthew 23, he, he woes the Pharisees because they had, they had picked and they had chose and they had rejected the parts of the law that they wanted. He said, he, what is it he said? He says, you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. So they said, we want this, but we don't want this. And so we're going to push that away and we're going to make this uh, the final say right here. And we're just going to disregard all this other stuff over here. We don't want that. And so you can't claim the Bible is uh, your final authority if you only accept parts of it. And that doesn't, the culture is irrelevant at that point. It doesn't matter if I'm in Zimbabwe. It doesn't matter if I'm in America or wherever I'm at. And so the only way that we know God is how? From the scripture. The only, the only way that I know what to preach, how do I know? It's from the scripture. It's from the Bible. And so when we pick and choose what we want, we create a God that's subject to us, and we create a God that, that, that likes what we like and that suits our wants, and that's idolatry. And idolatry makes God mad. All you have to do is go back and read Exodus 32, right? It made, it made God so angry there. He wanted to destroy an entire nation and start over with Moses. And, of course, Moses intercedes on the behalf of Israel, and God changes his mind. And so if culture is your rule, you're going to be in trouble. But, but to just simply say that the Bible is my, my final say in everything is not enough. Okay, I think the world has had enough of that, of us claiming to believe something and we don't, and we don't go out and live it. And so and, in Isaiah chapter 29, uh, the Lord says, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but they but have removed their heart far from me. And so the Lord says, Hey, they're talking a big game, but their heart is way over here. Okay, and so y'all understand that, right? You, you can say something with your mouth, but in your heart, it's not so. And so young people are leaving the church in droves. And I think, I, I think the, one of the biggest problems is because most young people never come to this crisis of belief point. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Okay, that's a biblical principle. You find good men... That are, that are following God, and you follow them. But there comes a point where what, what they're following in their faith, and you don't make that your faith, and you don't make that your belief, you're going to quit. You're going to faint, and you're going you're gonna to fall away. Okay? And so have you ever come to the point where you say, do I really believe this? Right? God comes to Jonah. He, tell, he, tells, he tells Jonah what to do, and Jonah's in a crisis. He, he can go... Well, there's, there's a hundred other, other different ways over here that he can go uh, the, the way God doesn't want him to go, but, but the way that, he, that he's supposed to go, and he makes the wrong decision, okay? He, he didn't handle the crisis in the, in the correct way. And so one of the most liberating uh, nights in my life, I was studying Romans chapter 3. I was, I was struggling with eternal security. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you never had that problem. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord. That wasn't my, uh, that's not my testimony. And I come, I come to Romans chapter 3, and God opens this up in my mind and in my heart, and he shows me that in March the 1st of 2008, God took Jesus Christ, and he put him on Cody Rich, and he took Cody Rich, and he put him on Jesus Christ. And I come to find out later in Romans chapter 6 that 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died, I died with him, and then when he rose from the dead, I rose with him. And so I, I came, and I studied that, and I read that, and I just sat there, and I said, Lord... I'm just going to believe what you say. I don't care what man says. I don't care how I feel. God, I'm just going to believe what you said. And I think that's probably the point in my life when, when I was sure. Right? That, that's, that's the message. Are you sure? 
And so many Christians, or I, let me back up, many people claim Christianity because of the culture in America. And this is one of the fears that I have of my children. I don't want my kids to grow up and, and, and to serve God and to be a Christian because mom and daddy do it. I want them to do it because the Bible says so. And so I, I, I've been reading a book by, by a man named Credo Mutua. He, he's a witch doctor. And so, but what this does, it's called, it's called Endaba, My Children. And it, and it really puts you in the way that, the, that the, the, the people in that part of Africa think. But that man in this book, he says something that's absolutely profound. He says, he, he, th- this is a witch doctor now. He says, he says, what the masses worship today is not God, but a social system. And so let me translate that for you. Most people in America claim to be a Christian because that's what they grew up learning. That's what they grew up around. And I, I was sitting in a college class in 2008. I don't, I don't have a, uh, I've got a secular degree. But I was in a speech class, and so what the, what the teacher would do was get us in groups, and we would have to talk about what we were going to give our speeches on and whatnot. And so uh, I, I just, the, the best I could, I, I'd give a speech over the Bible, over the Lord, over something that he put on my heart. And so we began to talk about that, and there was a young man sitting there, and uh, a girl that I went to high school with began to witness to this guy. And he said, I, and she said, so what are you? And he said, well, I, I guess I'm a Christian. And he said, that's, that's, that's what I grew up knowing. And I was like, no, man, you're not a Christian because you were born into a Christian family. And so if we're not careful, we'll be doing the right thing with the wrong motive. We'll, so, so, so you understand there's a danger. That's a blessing that y'all love missions. It's a blessing that y'all, y'all put that at, 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 at near, near or at the top. But one of the things, one of the, one of the dangers associated with that is you're just going to do that because everybody else here is excited about it. And what will what, happen is you, you'll get things deprioritized and, and you'll be worshiping missions instead of God. You'll begin to worship the ministry instead of God. And, and so you've so, so, so you got a good thing, but you've deprioritized it and you're worshiping that instead of God. And I, I, find my, I found myself in Zimbabwe, Africa. My second trip over there, I was convinced, and I knew that God wanted me to go there. And I go there, and, I, and Brother Lee Cadenhead, the man that I'm going to work with, he was purchasing a vehicle. He was getting housing. And I was just troubled in my spirit. And I'm like, I, I was talking to, with the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I feel like this. If I got this wrong, what's, what's going on? And... I don't know if it was the Lord or I don't know what it was, but, but the thought occurred to me. It said, what if I never get to come to Africa? And it hit me at that point. I, my goal had been to go to, to, go to Africa. My goal had not been to, to, to be faithful to God because of what he said. And I was doing the right thing. I was doing what God wanted me to do, but I got it, I got it out of order. So much so that I, had God come to me and told me something different, I'd be like, no, Lord, you're wrong. And so we have to be careful about that. So, so have you ever come to this crisis of belief and asked yourself that? Is this really what you believe? Not what mom and daddy believe, not what Pastor Gray believes, not what these Bible teachers believe, but you students in particular. Is the Bible what you believe? I, I really wonder, and I, I'm not even going to get to the body of this message. We'll, we'll skip over to the conclusion here in a second. Um. There are Christians that have came to church for five, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, probably 
on, on, and so forth, and if the thought has never occurred to them, why do I come to church? And so the question is, why, why do you come to church? Now, I'm not talking about Hebrews 13.5 and forsaking not the assembling of yourselves as the matter of some is. Some of you probably thought of that verse. That's, that's the commandment. All right, that's, that's not the why. Brother Ash, uh, Ash, Ashcroft was talking about the why yesterday. And so the, the why is found in Ephesians chapter 4, right? And, and he gave some uh, apostles and he gave some uh, prophets and some pastors and teachers and evangelists. And so uh, God has given Emmanuel Baptist Church a pastor for what? For the perfecting of the saints. And so you come to church because I need perfecting, you need perfecting, and God has given you a pastor for that. And so most people are ignorant of, of things because they've never even thought about it. And that's the illustration. Um, I, I'd made a false profession of faith when I was seven years old, and it, it took me till I was 18 before God showed me what I had at seven years old wasn't, wasn't the real thing. And that's because I never thought about it. I was busy playing ball. I was b- busy playing sports and working out and running and doing all these other things and I never thought about it and so most listen we're, we're living in a culture that that doesn't read the bible much less have never read through the bible completely now god forbid there be some of you men in here that's in this school and you've never read through your bible completely and so I haven't thought all the way through this statement but I but I think it's true how can you claim to believe something that you're ignorant of? How can you claim to believe the Bible that you've never read through? I, 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 th- I think if you claim that, that's, that's dishonest at best. You know, th- there are some landmines in the Bible. Now, I wonder if some of you know where those are at. Have you ever studied your Bible enough to find out where those are at? Uh, because some of you would overthrow your faith. Now, here's what I believe. I believe God put those there on purpose to test your faith in the Word of God. And so you say, God wouldn't do that. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, he tells Israel, he says, there's going to come among you false prophets. He says, they're going to work signs and miracles. It's going to come to pass, but, but, but they're going to say, let, let us go after other gods. And the Lord said, I'm going to let this happen. He says, I wanna, he says I'm proving you to, to know if you love me with all your heart and with all your soul and, and with all your mind. And so if you've never read through the Bible, I'm not sure how you can claim to believe it. And that's the problem with atheism, right? That we talk to these atheists, and they'll say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, have you ever read it? No. Well, how can you claim to not believe the Bible if you've never read it? We call that an assumption. That's a supposition without proof. And so if an if a, if a airplane crew come off a 15-hour flight, and you get on the plane, and, the, and they come over the, the, the speaker, and they say, hey, folks, um, we got a 12-hour flight. We're just going to assume we've got enough fuel. We're not going to check the gauges. We're not going to check the tanks. We're just going to we're going to assume that it's full. I'm, check those, or I'm getting off the plane. So assumptions can get you in trouble. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says, "The heart is deceitful above what things? All. That's not some things. That's not most things. That's all." things and so the heart is the most deceitful thing in the universe and so if you're not sure how do you know you're not deceived i mean how do you know i'm not up here preaching heresy to you if you're not sure and listen god's not going to give you a free pass because you've partaken of all this goodness 
as a matter of fact, isn't it the people that are the most privileged or the laziest people? It's the rich kids that get everything they ever wanted growing up that are lazy. But that's not the way God views it. To whom much is given, much is required. With privilege comes more responsibility. And God's going to hold us to a higher standard because of that. We've been given given more light than any other uh, generation in the history of the world. So, simply what I was going to do on the body of the the message here, I was going to go through and I was just going to quote some Bible verses and they they were intended to be instructive and to answer some questions. But we're going to skip over that. And so, um, what? So you say you say what's what's the issue with this? What, what why is this important? Why is why is this a big deal? Because if you don't believe the Bible, you're not going to obey God. If you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe what God says. If you're not sure what the Bible says, you're not going to obey the Great Commission. You're not going to give more money to missions. You're not and 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 above all that, you're not going to be faithful to God. That that is that should be the main priority of every, everybody in here is faithfulness to God. And that, that doesn't mean not everybody in here is a missionary. Not everybody in here is a pastor. Okay, we, we are, the, the main thing is to be faithful to God. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, I heard a man say this years ago. He said, to believe is to obey. And, and, I, and in my mind, I'm like, no, 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 that's not right. That's not right. Salvation not by works and all this stuff. And so I, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient. It's a contrast like in the book of Proverbs, all right? If you don't obey God, it's because you didn't believe him and you didn't trust him. And we're, we're not foreign to this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, but they have not all, for they, they have not all obeyed the gospel, right? And so what does it mean to obey the gospel? Well, you keep reading the verse. For, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed, I report, so you obey the gospel by exercising faith in it, right? Somebody came, told you that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he was buried and then he rose again the third day. And you say, okay, God, I trust what you say. And you exercise faith in the gospel. You obeyed the gospel. And so if you don't believe, you'll set up another standard. If you're not sure of what the Bible says in your own heart. Now, listen, I'm not talking about knowing everything. I'm talking about what is the way you think. If... If I come up here and uh, just just name your favorite preacher, name the person that you most admire, and they come up here and they say something that's contradictory to the Bible, what do you go with? So if you don't believe the Bible, you're not going to obey him. And so the Lord come touch your heart and says, I want you to go witness to your neighbor. If you don't believe what God says, you're not going to do that. He says, I want you to go to China. Well, you're not going to do that. You're, you're just you're, you're going to do what you want. And Psalm chapter twenty verse seven says, "Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of name of the Lord our God." And so, trusting in other things will cause you to forget God. And so, the real reason we don't obey God is because we don't trust Him. Somebody hires you; they pay you after you work, right? You go to work. You work for a week. I've worked at some places for three weeks before I got a paycheck. And so, if I didn't believe that they if I, if I thought that they weren't going to pay me, I wouldn't go to work, right? So you go to work and you work that week and you're trusting that the employer is going to pay you at the end of the week. So because you trust them, it, it makes you, it moves you to do something. And so I, I challenge you to go home and read Hebrews chapter 11 and, and look at all the verbs in there. Uh, by faith, Noah moved. By faith, Moses forsook. 
Uh, by faith, Abraham left. Their faith caused them to do something. And so if you're struggling with, it, with this, what is the solution? And it's, it's found in something simple, but it's hard. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32 and 33, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if you believe, you continue, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you'll know the truth. And so Jesus spoke in parables. We know this, right? And so why did he speak in parables? Because the people didn't believe him. And so he'd speak the parable, and afterwards he, he'd, he'd call his disciples coming over there, and he says, unto you it's given to know what I'm talking about. And he would expound it to them because they were his disciples. And so the solution is discipleship. Now I want to point this one thing out, and I, and I don't want to be too critical here because probably in my presentation on Sunday morning, I'll probably use the word discipleship. But I... I, I, I I'm afraid we've misused the term because in Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says, go ye in all the world and what? And in Matthew 28, go ye in all the world and what? Teach all nations. And so I just did a quick survey of about 50 Bible versions the other day, and every single one of them except one said, go ye and make disciples. Now question, can you make someone be a disciple? They got it right in ours. You can teach somebody, but you can't make them be a disciple. And so, in, in Luke chapter 14, we're given the conditions of discipleship. And so, you know, if you go through a 20-lesson course, and you get to the end of that thing, and they call it discipleship, you're not a disciple just because you went through those lessons. In Luke chapter 14, the... Jesus Christ gives us the conditions of discipleship. And the first one, he says, uh, let me turn over there. Luke chapter 14, we're looking for verse 26. Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my, he cannot be my disciple. And so I'm not going to try to, uh, I'm not tr going to try to explain away what that means there. I, it means what it says. And so what that means is every single, every single relationship in your life is subject to Jesus Christ. Uh, translated in simple terms, he's number one. He has the preeminence. He has the final say in everything. And Jesus said, if you don't have that, if you don't have that heart, you don't have that attitude, you can't be my disciple. First condition of discipleship. Second. Verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's self-denial. That's, that's you taking God's will over your will. It's Jesus Christ in the garden. Lord, if there be any other way, can, can we do this a different way? But Lord, I, and I'm paraphrasing, Lord, I trust you. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's, that's self-denial. And the third one is found in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that, hath, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And so if you haven't forsaken everything that you have, you can't be his disciple. All the relationships have to be subject to Jesus Christ. You have to bear your cross, and you have to have forsaken everything that you have. That's the conditions of discipleship. And so from, from John chapter 8, if you... If, if you believe God, and you're a disciple, and if you're a disciple, God will show you the truth. Okay? And so that, that is the solution. And so the question is, do you believe the Bible?
And I think that's answered, and are you a disciple? And so here's the meat of the message. You will not find God's will in your life apart from the scriptures, apart from the Bible. And so, you know, in the garden, boy, Genesis chapter 3 is full. There's enough there to preach on for a lifetime. But God, God, tell, God tells them, he says, hey, all this in the garden is yours. He says, you eat of all this you want. He says, but that one right there, don't eat of that. You leave that alone. And so what does the devil do? He, he, he comes bebopping around, and he takes the very thing that God said was okay for them, that was good for them, and he took that, and he perverted it, and he got all of humanity to, to, to fall from that point. And what will happen in a place like this? You get your eyes off the Scripture, and you get it on something else. You, listen, you, you may go to a foreign field. You may go to a certain place that, that you think God's calling you to, but you might get it misplaced. And you might find yourself somewhere where God doesn't necessarily want you. And you say, well, I can't fathom that. Well, well, Paul wanted to go into Asia. But what does the Bible say? The Holy Ghost forbade him to go there. God had somewhere else for him to go. And so, look, here, some of you right now, some of you college students, you're under this, you're under this, uh, this umbrella of protection. It's called the local church, all right? This, this Bible college is a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church. But you're going to step outside of that. And you're not going to have these men here to help you uh, at beck and call. And if you don't believe that book, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And back there in John chapter 6, verse uh, 66, there was a bunch of people that went back. There's a bunch of people that left because they got their feelings hurt because they were not sure. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.